Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And my friend, or shall I say new friend, Tori Fox is here with us today. Thank you so much, Tori, for joining us for this Boca Podcast conversation. Oh, thanks for having me, Nathan. I'm so excited. I'm a, an avid listener, so it's, it's cool to be on. Well, that's that's a bit humbling to hear, and um, I, I appreciate you being willing to come on. What is still it feels like still like an experiment, even after a year. This is this is actually going to be episode number sixty. And, oh wow! Yeah, so we're we're about we're sixty episodes in, and uh, I'm still learning what it means to even have a, a good conversation. You've already made it easy for me in our, our brief conversation before I hit the record button. So I'm excited to dive into our topic that we're going to get to here in just a little bit about failure and the importance or the significance of failure as a business owner. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Um, I want to start with an aha moment. This is something I like to to start our podcasts off with. For those who may only be able to listen for a few minutes, I still want them to walk away with something. So I'm curious if there is a particular aha moment in your business that really, that ultimately it just meant significant growth for your business or it catapulted your business forward. Yeah, my my big moment would have been um, when I was getting started, you know, as everyone probably finds, you don't have the consistent business yet. And so I would you know, have a week where I'd have a few, a few gigs and take photos. And then maybe I'd go a month, you know, a month without taking, taking anything. You're new, you're getting started. And, um, my big thing was not touching my camera enough. I think in the beginning, Interesting. photography started as a hobby. It's something I loved to do, but when you start doing it as a job, I don't know, you get kind of burned out or sure. I think for me, just picking it up and taking more photos just going out on my own, going for a walk, um, just touching the camera more. I, I think I, I would have grown a lot faster had I immersed myself more in the art of what I was doing and just taking more photos of people, which I'll, I'll talk about more later. But, you know, just reaching out to more people and really putting in the time with my camera at first, I think I could have grown a lot faster. That's actually really interesting. And this is the first time anybody has brought this up, but um, it makes me think of, I, I shot weddings for about 10 years, but it's been about five years since I, I shot my last wedding. And I can still pick up, I, sh I shot Nikon my, my whole career, my wedding career, and I can still pick up a Nikon camera and with my eyes closed, everything feels familiar. Most everything feels familiar. You know where this button is and that button is in this setting. And you know if you're running into this particular situation, you quickly make this adjustment or make that adjustment. And it just becomes, you know, there's, there's muscle memory to kind of borrow that phrase. Um, yeah. It becomes an extension of you. And that familiarity with the camera and the way that it works and once again, how to use the camera and you know the, the various settings or situations or scenarios that you're going to run into in a wedding day, um, it's so important. It makes all the difference in the world because you may just have a split second to grab that image. And if you're not familiar with your camera, um, you could miss it. So yeah. I, I think this is a really good reminder for those of us, not, not just those who are new, but even those who have been shooting for a while, 
like you said, it's easy to kind of get burnt out from time to time and you just want to put the camera down and go do something else. Um, make time to use that camera, be familiar with it to where literally, I mean, I, I think it's actually a good exercise to, to even close your eyes and just feel that camera and know where everything is intuitively yeah. so that you can make those adjustments on the fly. That's, that's a really great reminder. Um, I, I now I have to say before, cause I, I want to find out a little bit about your life in San Francisco, that that's the area that you're based in. But I have to mention too, like I've got your Instagram account pulled up right now and even just scrolling through, there is a certain warmth, um, that is just extremely appealing to your imagery. And it's, it's actually quite consistent. You're doing a really wonderful job with your Instagram account. Thank um, you. But I think it's probably reflective too of that just amazing, beautiful light that you guys have there. Would, would you yes. say that that's the case? Absolutely. I actually, so our summer is very foggy as people probably know that quote, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco is very true. So wow. I, we are just coming out of the fog and it's actually been an adjustment for me because I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm shooting in sunlight now. Like this is a whole new season. Um, so we do have the most beautiful light. I actually still get a lot of clients and they're like, Hey, if it's foggy, is that okay? And I'm like, Oh my God, I love the fog. Like yeah. it's just, it's so quintessential to where we live. And well, I'm sure it diffuses the light really beautifully too. Oh, it's, it's just gorgeous. Like yeah. I, I could shoot in fog every day and be very happy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky here year round. We pretty much, you know, maybe January is a little slow, but I'm very lucky to live where I do because, um, it's very mild weather all year long. Um, Oh, it's such a so, beautiful location. I was there. I'm trying to think, I guess it's been about a year ago. Um, but I, and I've been multiple times, but it's just, it really is just stunning. And as you say, the weather's incredible. What, what, how do you like to take advantage of being in San Francisco? What do you like to do with your free time there? Oh man, we, uh, I drink a lot of wine. Because, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, we're so close to wine country and there's just so much good wine here. So yeah. a good, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, lots of cool wine bars to go to. And me and my boyfriend who I work with, we're super into wine. So anytime we go up to wine country and shoot a wedding, you know, if we can, we try and spend the night. So the next day we can kind of take our day after wedding off and, and drink too much wine, but it's fun. <laughs> oh, it sounds incredibly fun. It, it actually, total side note, do you, is there a particular California wine that is your favorite that you recommend? Um, we have just really gotten into Zinfandel's. Yeah. And there is a region which I know everyone knows about Napa, but there's a place called Healdsburg and it's the Dry Creek region and their wine is just fantastic. If uh, if anyone out there ever sees it in a store, a Zinfandel from the Dry Creek, try it. I have not I have not had a bad one and I've had Napa wines that I'm not thrilled about, so we're really excited about it. And it's not as expensive, which is really nice. Awesome. Okay. So I've, I've literally noted that I'm, I'm taking notes here and I just yes. wrote that down. So I'll have to, I'll have to look for that. That's really great. Now you mentioned your boyfriend. Does he go by Will or William? Um, Will, William, whatever, whatever. And someone's, if they're, if we're shooting with a Will, maybe we'll call him William. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of Williams out there, but um, yeah, Will. Yeah. So Will is, is actively working with you. He's also a videographer, correct? Yeah. So we both run our own companies and we hire each other for work. So I can brand my Tory Fox photography however I want and hire him for the day and then vice versa. Um, he does more video headshots. He works more with businesses and okay. I do more of the, the personal side. So weddings, family portraits, um, babies, maternity, that kind of stuff. 
That's awesome. And I, I love the fact that you guys actually hire, use the word more than once, hire each other. We do, for, yeah. For it, the jobs. Keep it, keeping it business. Keeping it business. And it also makes it like if I want to make myself a new logo or if I want to post a certain photo on Instagram, I don't have to ask like, hey, what do you think about this? I can kind of do whatever I think is best for my businesses and him, his. And then it, it, it kind of takes out the part where it's like we disagree on things because we just make our own business decisions. Um, and it's been really effective for us. Oh, see, this is fascinating to me. I'm, I'm extremely fascinated by relationships. And in fact, I have a, a podcast kind of in my back pocket that I want to do someday, it even has a website already um, oh, wow. that I want to do that centers around relationships and what, what makes yeah. a, a happy relationship. Of course, it looks different for everyone. But yeah. one of the things that I've learned in the last few years about relationships, um, the significance of independence and how that can actually encourage kind of a long-term passion or attraction to one another. Yeah. If you're always in each other's space and you're always doing the same thing and you're not actually able to be an individual uh, in a relationship where you then choose to come together in, in a partnership, a romantic partnership, um, that that can cause a lot of problems. And I have personal experience yeah. in that, um, but but you can also see it if you if you look around. So this, I, I love the fact that you guys have created yeah. this independence in your two separate brands and you treat it truly treat it as two separate brands, and I can imagine that 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 really is helpful in your relationship as well. Very, very helpful, um, especially in an artistic setting. You can really hurt someone's feelings if you're like, "Oh, I just, you know, what do you think of this photo?" And they're like, "Oh, that's just, I just don't like that. It's terrible. It's it's a lot harder for critique um, when you're in a relationship." So that part is nice that our styles are so different that we don't really hurt each other's feelings. Um, it's worked out very well for us. I feel very fortunate. I always say, you know, we live in a small space in San Francisco. We're like, if every couple that was supposed to get married had to live in our little space for a year and work together, it's like couples therapy. Like who's supposed to really be together? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause we do, we spend a lot of time together, but it's, uh, I feel very fortunate. Well, it sounds, it sounds like you guys have really figured out how to make it work well and yeah. I think that's a great example for it because they're, they're, you know, back when I was in photography, it wasn't as common for um, partners, romantic partners to work together. And yeah. um, it's become so much more commonplace. And so this is a wonderful example. And, and uh, maybe we'll do an episode two on just relationships and business. Yeah, <laughs> might be absolutely. kind of fascinating to explore. But um, you mentioned earlier that you guys very proactively plan for that extra day when you go somewhere to shoot a wedding then you, you plan for that extra day that you get to spend in that area what are some of the other things that you do to, to kind of create free time for yourself as business owners um for me the biggest thing would be saying no to things when i first started it was really tempting every single job that would come in like absolutely yes how do i make this work just doing everything under the sun and I think more and more as my business has gotten going, just doing what I think is best for my business and which jobs make sense to me. Um, so I don't take every every person that can afford my services that comes to the door. I don't shoot in a lot of like ballroom settings or um, I shoot more like little smaller boutique weddings, I guess you could say. I love shooting outdoors. So yeah. a lot a lot of my photos you won't see inside. And I think it set me apart. I really, I think I've honed in more on my style because of that. And then I'm not as busy. Um, I don't feel like I have to take on 40 weddings a year because I am kind of honed in on what I love to do. Uh, and then I have more free time for myself because I'm not killing myself doing jobs that 
I'm not, if I, if I'm not willing to put it out there on my social media, I shouldn't be doing it. And that client, I don't think it's fair for that client either. I think there's another photographer that would be better suited for them. So, which totally makes sense. And I love that you've consciously established a business model that enables you to have that kind of freedom. I, I, I have to ask you though, because I know that some of our listeners may say maybe they're newer in their career and they're, they're still Mm -hmm. like trying to take on as much work as possible how would you respond to them if they say, should I take on as much work as possible now? Like maybe how long yeah. did it take you to get to that place where you could say no to, to jobs? It took, it took me a long time. I've been doing this for about four years now. And I would say the first two years I did everything. Um, I just tried it all. I did it all. And I really, to myself, asked myself, which jobs am I really excited to go on? you know, you're so excited afterwards to sit down and go through the photos and which jobs were like, God, I really don't want to do this right now. This feels like work. Um, so once I was able to have more income coming in, those are the jobs that I started to have fall off and I wouldn't offer anymore. Um, but I would say, yeah, the first two years until I really was financially able to say no, I did a lot, which I also loved that I did because then I really know what I like to do and what I don't. And it really makes me appreciate what I do now that I love it so much. Um, cause otherwise I don't know if I would have known. Yeah. And this is actually a conversation that I had with, um, another guest in our podcast, uh, not very long ago. And they were saying a similar thing, take, you know, taking that initial, whatever it ends up being a year, two years, three years to really explore yeah. and, and figure out who you want to be as a photographer and artist is important. And at that point it, it is okay to, to try all different kinds of things, but at some point it is important to then also establish a brand position that helps set you apart. And then the cool thing about that is, as you mentioned, um, it allows you to filter out clients that don't fit your business model, which then translates yeah. to additional freedom and flexibility, which is uh, it's so important as, as business owners. I think it's one of the biggest benefits, and yet we don't always capitalize on that. And so I, I love that you very intentionally created this business model. And it actually acts as a great segue to a question I was going to ask you a little bit later. But if you go to your website, um, you do offer kind of a range of photography services or photographic services. Does it make it difficult to set yourself apart when you're offering such a range as opposed to a photographer who might only specialize in one type of photography? For me, it makes it better because I don't shoot as many weddings a year. I think I shoot about 20 weddings a year, which isn't a huge number, but like I said, I'm not shooting every wedding that comes in the door. Um, so in those slow times, I have the family, you know, we're going into family portrait season and normally family portraits are only around this time of the year. So as weddings are winding down, I'm starting family portraits. And then, you know, for me, I'm really heavy with engagement photos in like winter, spring. So that time of the year I'm doing that. And then in the summer, I'm focusing more on weddings. So for me, it's really I never, I don't feel that overwhelmed because there's always a different season for everything. Or like right now, it seems like baby season. Like I feel like everyone's having babies or needs maternity photos. So I think this month of October is probably the busiest month of the year for me. But otherwise, it's pretty, um, it's pretty even. And it does help me, like I said, say no to a lot of stuff because I know I'm going to be pretty consistent with work with the other services I provide. Now, if I was just doing weddings and I was shooting only 20 weddings a year and I might be a little nervous about that, but um, I feel really good about where I am right now. That makes sense. Well, and I, I, bet, I bet it also just encourages creativity in the sense that you yeah. have a variety of opportunities, a variety of types of photographic experiences. Um, I, I mentioned this to you in my in my email, but 
the the gallery of food imagery that you've created yeah. is just <laughs> stunning and i like everything on there you want to eat it just looks incredible oh thank you um, that's kind of like my more my hobby i just love taking pictures of food um i know it's such a cliche but I just love it. Like I, I do it more for myself and I shoot with a lot of bloggers. So I do a lot of blog stuff, uh, with the food, but it's just a fun thing. Like who doesn't want to make a new good recipe and make it look delicious. And, you know, I can send it to my relatives and be like, aren't you jealous? Don't you want to eat this? Come over and visit me. Oh my word. Well, it looks amazing. And I'm actually, I scrolled down a little bit further. And by the way, for those of you listening in, if you want to check out Tori's website, just go to Tori, T-O-R-R-E-Y, foxphotography.com and go to her, her food portfolio. Um, scrolling down a little ways, there is a, there's a fall scene where you've got a, a table set up with the fog yeah. in the background. It's just stunning. It's absolutely amazing. I, I, I'm very lucky to work with really talented designers and bloggers and I, they set that all up, but I was, um, yeah, that was so much fun. We had that quintessential super foggy day and I still get reposts from that. Like every time I log in, especially this month, I'm like, you've been tagged in this photo for this fall inspiration. I'm like, oh, fun. (laughs) That is so great. Well, and, and having this kind of wide range of photography, uh, photographic services, do, do you find that it, because I, I was curious to ask you how you market your business when you do offer such a variety of services. Do you find that the the network that you develop from doing the variety of photography actually helps build your business or how, how do you actually get new clients? Yeah. So for me, I have yet to pay for advertising. Um, a lot of my business is referral. Uh, I actually, it's not that I am not opposed to paying. I just when I ask myself, what's my ideal client, my ideal client is someone that asks a friend for a photographer or goes on social media and sees, you know, another person's photos and like, Oh, I love those photos. Um, I've noticed that for me, that is an awesome way to get to know someone a little better. You know, someone that's worked with them. And so with that referral based business, uh, the more jobs I do and the more industries I'm in, I'm just touching more of the public. I'm meeting more people. Um, so that's, that's probably really beneficial in my business. Um, I also really am very picky. I know it's a wide variety, but I'm very, like I said, picky about the jobs that come in. Like if someone wants something that's not my style, I'm really adamant to say, you know, I think that's a great idea, but I just don't think I'm the right photographer for you. Like if someone wants to do engagement photos and they're like, I want walls of graffiti in San Francisco. It's like, you know, I can refer someone to you, but that's just not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not my, it's not my aesthetic. And so I think that really honing in on my style is awesome. And then, like I said, I can refer work to another photographer and then they can refer work back to me. If someone wants that like more bright style and they're more of a moody photographer, they can refer it to me. So it's, um, that works out really well. Well, and again, I have, I have respect for the clarity that you've established in your business and in your business model, knowing what you want um, that not only helps you get the right client, develop a portfolio that reflects who you are as a photographer, but then again, it also helps you create free time. So kudos to you for this. And I think it's a really wonderful example for our listeners. Now, I kind of want to take a step back. How did you actually get started in photography in the first place? Oh, I, uh, I've been doing as a hobby for a very long time. I, I have an older sister and as a kid, you know, you want to do everything your older siblings do. And so... <laughs> 
when I got into high school, my older sister had taken a photography class. So I was like, I'm going to take a photography class because my older sister did. And I just loved it. It was always my elective in high school, taking photography. And then when I got to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, but I still was taking my photography electives. because I just loved it. And my parents were like, okay, the time's come. You got to pick what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And I remember I was like, I want to be a photographer. And I think they were just like, oh, man. <laughs> They're like, uh, don't you want to do business or something? And I mean, looking back, business probably would have been the better option. But I was so I decided to be a instead of going to a photography school, I wanted to keep my options a little more open. So I went to a four year university in the Bay Area and I studied studio art, which I actually really loved that I did because I got to do not just photography, I did ceramics and 3D art and I painted and I was drawing, which I had never done before, which is scary. But I really, I feel like learned a lot about um, color and composition that way. So oh, yeah, I, th that sounds really appealing even now to me that to, to have the opportunity yeah. to explore all those mediums. Do you still experiment with them? Uh, I've done a little drawing here and there. I really want to get back into it. That's one thing I'm like, I don't really have a lot of hobbies anymore because I feel like my job is my hobby, which is terrible. So I keep saying to myself, I'm going to go back and take like, um, like a figure drawing class or I love watercolor. So I definitely, the slow time of this year, maybe that's my, my goal is to take a, like a watercolor class. I would love that. That's cool. So at you, you studied, kind of art as a general subject to, to make it really, really simple in college, you have this, you, you get this four year degree. And then what was the transition like from that degree to becoming a professional photographer? So after I graduated, right as I graduated, I met my boyfriend and he was in school studying cinematography. So we were kind of both artistic. Um, he was just graduating and starting his business in photography. And he, like I said before, did a lot more, you know, headshots and videos and business type things. So I would just start kind of coming on jobs with them because I had this camera I had bought for college, um, like an old Canon 70D or something, something super old. And <laughs> I would just be his backup and it wouldn't matter because, you know, they didn't think he was bringing someone else. And so I was just extra like he's like, oh, this is someone that's just going to assist me today. So I would have my camera and be kind of behind the scenes and just really start. There was no expectations. I didn't have to you know, if I didn't take one good photo, it wouldn't have mattered. So um, that's how I kind of learned going on shoots with him. And he's very technical. So everything I didn't learn from my art degree, he would kind of show me the back end of these cameras and teach me everything I needed to know. Um, and then I just started reaching out to people randomly, I would see someone get engaged on Facebook, I would see someone who's going to have a baby. And I was like, Hey, can I take some photos of you? Like, wow, that's really cool. So you I, just had enough confidence based on the experience kind of practicing with the camera that you felt like you could do that. Yeah. I just, I really, from, I, I took photos of my friends in college for like, for photography classes. So okay. I had, I had taken photos of people. I love taking photos of flowers. I kind of knew my aesthetic. I was just getting to know the camera and, um, yeah, reaching out to these random people and saying, you know, I'm just getting started. So you really set the expectations low. Here's some photos I've taken. Would you want to maybe go and get sunset and take some photos? And like, if you don't like them and you're getting engaged, you can hire another photographer. You know, I won't be offended. And really putting myself out there like that and really diving into my network because I'm from the Bay Area was incredibly helpful. I I don't think I could have done what I, what I do without doing that because 
how well, you know, how else do you get started? You have to just dive in feet first. And I, totally. I love that. And I know that a lot of photographers kind of get scared of that, but yeah. I, I also find that it's really interesting. I mean, as much as we talk about kind of the, uh, the, the way that social media eats up so much of our time and our life, what, what it has done on, on a much more positive note is it's given us access to a network of people, even if it's a small group, even if you don't have a massive, you know, 2000, 3000, 4000, uh, member friend list on Facebook. Yeah, you have a you have access to a network that enables you to very quickly start a photography business right now, and just simply taking that action and asking, not including any expectations with it, setting your ego aside, and just saying, "Hey, look, I could do this for you if you'd like." And I, I love the fact that you even explained to them that that you wouldn't be offended if they didn't use the images. Um, I, I taking that approach, just going for it. Sometimes that is what we need to do as entrepreneurs, and I think. It's really easy. I, I know. I mean, you, you see it all over the place. It's so easy for photographers, artist types um, to kind of get stuck in their head and, and question themselves and their ability when many times it's just going to take actually taking that first step or the second step or the third step and reaching out, putting yourself out there a little bit, just doing. Um, and this is a reminder for me yet again, even now. Um, I, I easily get stuck in my head on just multiple areas of my life. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it just takes that first step or that second step and you develop momentum It makes it easier. And then, of course, in your case, you develop the experience as well in the portfolio. And here you are four years later and it seems as though you're you're rocking it. So I'm kudos oh, to you for just. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Well, kudos to you for just going for it, though, too. And I think that's a really wonderful example for our photographers. Now, to kind of flip that around, this we're talking about kind of the positive side of things. One of the things you said in our discussion uh, about doing this, this book, a podcast interview was that failing is important. And um, this is, it's a really interesting st statement to me. And so I really love for you to share with our listeners what that idea means to you. Yeah. So like I said, in the beginning, um, jumping in, doing all these jobs, I was always so afraid of failure. And I think that's why it took me a little while to start my business. Because like, what if someone doesn't like my photos? Or what if, you know, what if you get a bad review and it's all word of mouth? Um, so for me, failing for my, it was more failing for myself than disappointing a client. And the way I went about doing that was really setting the expectations. So, you know, if you're getting started, tell people I am brand new. Like I am not a professional yet. This is a hobby. I'm trying to make it something, but bear with me. I'm new. I might be fiddling with my camera. I might be, you know, I might make a mistake, but, but I'm new and I'm getting started or I'm, even if you are established, I'm trying something new. I want to add something to my business. So for me, it was really managing expectations. And then they were more just personal things that I was feeling at that I wanted to get better at. So a big failure I made at first was I was really, I was really quiet behind the lens. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to my, to my clients. And then I would get the photos back and I, I was like, Oh, these just aren't looking like what I want them to look like. Like, Oh, I wish her hand was there. I wish, I wish he was looking down at her like that in engagement photos. And, um, and this was happening during the session, like as you're shooting. No, I, afterwards I would look okay. at the photos and I'd be like, why aren't they looking like how I want them to look? I and see. so I started for every shoot I would go into, I would say to myself, you know, what's the one thing I really want to work on for this session? So a big thing for me was talking to them behind the camera and guiding them through all these poses. And 
And then after the shoot, maybe I would write I, a journal, not a journal, my computer. I would write on my computer, what, what did I want to do on that shoot? What did I think I failed at? And like, how can I get better on the next shoot and really pushing myself? Cause there's no one else really pushing you. You're not in school. You're doing this on your own. You're, you're starting your own business. So really deeply listening to myself and asking what I was feeling at and how I was going to get better instead of letting it cripple me. How are these failures in the beginning going to make me better? And now if I feel that those things, you know, it wouldn't be the best because people are paying you and they're expecting things. But when you're getting started, you know, try a bunch of stuff, fail a bunch because that that's the time to do it. Um, you know, and I still have things that I want to get better at in my business and not things that people necessarily know I'm feeling at, but you know, like one thing I'm trying to be better at now is, you know, telling, telling a better story through my photos. So anyone can probably take a beautiful portrait of someone, but how am I going to let the people looking at these photos really see this couple or this new, these new parents through these photos? Um, how am I going to tell the story? Like if no one knew these people, I want them to, to know kind of their personalities through the photos. So every time I go on a shoot, I'm trying to tell that story. And then after the shoot, I'm like, okay, how did I, how did I maybe fail at that? And how can I get better the next time? And that's, that's self-awareness, which is a concept that has really fascinated me more and more. Again, just particularly in the last few years, I've, I've gone through kind of a growth stage, um, kind of examining myself and where I fall short and uh, all the different opportunities that I have to, to learn about how to do life in, in multiple levels. And self-awareness, um, even, even to the extent I think it even is an element of intelligence, um, when you can objectively or as objectively as possible look at yourself and see where there is opportunity for growth, I think that's really key. And you mentioned in you mentioned journaling, and I'm curious actually, do you use a particular tool for journaling? Is this something that you do on an ongoing basis? Yeah, I I don't use a tool. I guess it's old school. Even though I use my laptop, I just make a page like uh, on my Mac. I write in my pages like yeah. the date of the shoot going into it, what I wanted to accomplish and coming out of it, what did I do well and what do I want to be better at? Because if I, if I always think I'm going to these shoots and just killing it, like, Oh, I did such a great job. How am I ever going to get better? I'm in a plateau. Like I, every couple is different. I want to do the best job I possibly can for someone and improving on my skills, I think is really important. So I just, I just write it on my computer and then I can look back like a year from now, I can look back on the notes I made last year. I'm like, wow, look how much I've improved just on, um, just on writing, you know, based on what I've written for myself. So. For sure. Well, there's an intentionality to that, that I think is really important. And I, I've seen this in, in your business just in, in general, as you're, you're describing it to me, you've been very intentional and in, in developing a business model that works for you. And you've been very, very specific, even going into an individual shoot, considering how you want to approach this. And there's intentionality there. That's so important in developing an effective business model as an entrepreneur in general, but especially in the photography industry. So that's a really wonderful example. Something else you mentioned uh, that I find particularly important is the idea of failure in relation to yourself versus the client. 
Yes. Um, because something that we all have to be reminded of, and this is something I'm reminded of in conversations with photographers about you know, the possibility of using a, um, my company, Photographers Edit, an editing service where they're going to be handing their images over. The idea that somebody else might take, yeah. take their images and process them and that they might not look you know, exactly 100% exactly the way that they would have processed them you know, to, to the nth degree um, yeah. is, is nerve-wracking. But what, what photographers need to keep in mind, not just with editing, but just in general, is that the nuanced... Um, differences that we might notice in the way that we approach one shoot or the way that we might edit an image. Uh, those nuances are noticeable to us. They aren't noticeable to the client or potential client. And so we can, we can kind of rest easy, take a deep breath, rest, rest a little easier. And um, with that perspective in mind, because I think it's really important to note that, that we're going to notice things. We may be harder on ourselves. Um, in fact, not even may, we will be harder on ourselves in most cases than the client's going to be on us. And I think it's important to create that distinction in order to kind of minimize the amount of stress that we deal with as artists and as business owners. Um, Absolutely. And, and then you mentioned setting expectations. And this has actually been a theme uh, for the last couple of podcast episodes or so. But setting expectations is so important. And of course, that's part of communication, effective communication with our clients. And again, I love the fact that you were upfront with your clients at, as you're getting started in photography that, hey, I'm, I'm just getting started. I'm new to this. Like you said, yeah. I, I might be fumbling around with my camera a little bit, um, but it's, it's important to create those expectations because that translates to a better experience for the client. And so these are all really, really good reminders. Now, I wanted to ask you for examples of areas that you kind of failed as a new business owner. And you already mentioned one, the idea of being quiet behind the lens. And yes. uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I still think back to photography workshops that I went to um, where even, you know, I mean, it's a different little bit of a different environment than when you're working one on one with a client. But you'd see a group of photographers photographing a model at a workshop and the model is just standing there and the, the photographers are shooting away. You hear the click, 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 and they're shifting around and, and framing the, the image this way and that way. But there's little to no communication going on. And so the model is left just wondering, like, what, what am I supposed to do? And ideally, you have somebody who's comfortable in front of the camera. But in the case of photographing a client, in many, if not most cases, our clients aren't comfortable in front of the camera. So that silence becomes awkward silence. And they don't know what in the world they're supposed to do. Communication yep. is so important. So I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up that point. And even if it requires just kind of an ongoing dialogue back and forth with the client, especially for those who are uncomfortable, I think it's important that we remember the significance of communicating with our client behind while we're behind the camera so that they don't feel awkward. They have an idea of what you're looking for. And encouragement is always so important too. be excited and, and genuinely excited too. you know, it's, it's easy. I mean, we can, we can look at this as, as business, but I don't know about you, but like when, when I'm, I, it can even be here on, on the podcast as I'm having conversations with our guests or as I was a photographer and engaging with our clients, I'm genuinely excited to, to engage with or have conversations with or photograph the people that I'm, that I'm working with. And so let that translate through in the conversation. Let that excitement about the images that you're seeing pop up on the back of your camera translate through to your communication and it'll make all the difference in the world in that final product. Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest takeaway I get from clients after I leave a shoot, you know, they're always pretty nervous coming in. And the biggest compliment I can get walking away is like, wow, you made that so easy. I didn't have to think about anything. I had a great time. 
And I really appreciate you walking me through it. And I think that's the biggest thing that I get walking away from shoots now is people saying that, like, I was so nervous to pose and I just, I felt like I didn't have to think about anything. And they shouldn't. I'm looking through the lens. I know what looks best. And I even have a little pep talk with, especially for engagement shoots right before I start. I'm like, you know, I'm not expecting anything from you. Uh, I know you've never been in front of the camera. It's my job to walk you through it. And I always tell them, I'm like, don't think something you, you're doing looks stupid. Like, if I think something looks bad, I'm going to change it. But if you're giving me a face and you're like, oh, man, how's this looking? I would change it if it's not looking good. So, you know, be yourself. Try to open up to me. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna guide you through it. And I'm going to make sure these look great. And you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about it. I love that. You're taking that responsibility off their shoulders. Yeah. And, and that, my goodness, that has to make create just a wonderful environment and the images are going to show that they're going to be more relaxed. Yeah. So that's, that's a really, really great point and great reminder and recommendation. Take us to another area maybe where you felt like you'd failed as a new business owner. When I started, I, my boyfriend would always make fun of me. I would watch so many online tutorials online, like any YouTube video of any one that says they're a photographer making a video saying, Oh, buy this flash diffuser and use this at events and your photos will be great. I watched so many of those videos every night. I'd come home from my part-time job and just binge watch these videos. And <laughs> I, I just believed everything. Like I would see these little flash diffusers and be like, Oh, I need to buy this one and this one. And this is going to make everything better. And like now I don't even barely use flash. It was just, I would, I believe everything I watched in these videos. And I think as someone new getting started, you need to try things out. Like I said, try a lot of things because not everything is going to be for you. And it's not a bad thing. I'm sure those products and things are great for everyone, but really deciding what was best for me. And, you know, just because this world famous photographer uses this tool does not mean that I need to use it and it's going to be effective for me. Um, so that was a big, a big fail that took me a while to learn. I mean, I love, I still watch online tutorials. Like I love creative live. I, I actually was able to go to a creative live in audience class, um, cause it's based somewhat in San Francisco. So I think there's great tools out there, but it's also, you need to know your style and what, what tools are going to work for you. So that was a big lesson I learned. Yeah. Well, and, but again, you're, you're such a great example of somebody who has very clearly established for herself what her business model is. And as you mentioned multiple times, what your aesthetic is. And so you've created a natural filter through which you can pass everything. And I think it's really important for our listeners to keep this in mind, whether you've been in business for a while or you're just starting out, establish what, what I've referred to in past episodes as the big picture view, kind of what you're reaching toward as an individual, certainly, but as a photographer and as a business model, establish that. Be really clear about that because it will enable you to filter out what can be an incredible amount of noise um, yeah. of all these products being being sold toward us, I mean, or sold to us, rather. And um, you can filter out what's not necessary, grab the things that, that are important to you, to your business model, to you as a photographer and an artist, what you are doing specifically. And uh, so this is, yeah. yet again, just a really wonderful reminder um, for everyone, not just our new photographers, but our established photographers as well. Maybe one more thing. Do you have one other area that, you've, that you learned kind of the hard lesson? Yeah, one, one, another big one in the beginning, like I talked about before, with managing client expectations. Um, I... I was pretty good about doing it in the beginning when I started to get a little sticky was, you know, when I did start to shoot weddings, a wedding day is a really 
it's a high emotion day. There are a lot of expectations. So I remember my first year, I didn't know a lot. You know, I was working with my boyfriend. We were, we were doing it together. So I wasn't like second shooting for anyone. I wasn't seeing these mistakes made by other people. And I would just, you know, I wanted to shoot as many weddings as I could. So I would just promise the world to these people, like I can do anything. Like I can make a hundred different family formal portraits work in 30 minutes. Like, and I think for me, that was a big, was a big fail in that I, I promised too much. And now I'm very clear with the outline of a wedding day. You know, I have conversations with brides um, a month before we go over everything. I tell them what I do, what I don't do. Um, you know, on a wedding day, I can't make your uncle Saul appear out of nowhere if he's at the <laughs> at the bar. Like we're going to need magic, some... Tori. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not like wedding planner extraordinaire. So, you know, managing things like that, that way, when someone's missing, it's not your fault. Like someone else can go find them and they're not looking to you like, oh, my God, my photographer, like she's not very organized. Like, no, because I've told them time and time again, like have your maid of honor go and find these family members. And if they're not here, that's on her. That's not on me. So. And some photographers probably are really good about being more organized in certain parts of the day. And not that I'm not organized, but I think telling your clients what you're there for, what you're going to do, what can happen in a certain time frame is really, really important because then you're not, you're not disappointing someone. And if something does happen, then it's not on you because the wedding day, like I said, it's really high emotions. It's a live day. You don't control a lot. So I think being very clear with your clients and you know what, if they, if you lose a client because of that and they don't want to book you, then, then that's probably better because you do not want anyone saying anything terrible about you. You just want people to like sing your praises, especially with the world of the internet. For sure. For sure. But, and and I think part of, again, what enables that is being clear about your business model, the type of client that you want to work with. But then this is, this is a good reminder. And, and we did talk a little bit about it before, but I'm glad we came back to it. It's the importance of setting expectations, which is, of course, a really important element of communicating with our clients. And this can happen literally from the beginning. We just talked about this in a recent podcast episode uh, in our communication with our clients, literally from the start, from the inquiry all the way through to the end when maybe you're selling an album or otherwise we are clearly managing expectations. You're communicating clearly what service it is that you offer. Um, and in some cases, photographers are even planning or, or helping plan or coordinate a, an event while they're shooting, which can be a little bit stressful. But um, all of the, through all of this, the communication and setting the expectations is key. And um, I, I added here as I was taking notes, realistic realistic expectations. Yep. Because if you if you promise the world and then you can't deliver, uh, that is ultimately going to translate to a negative experience yeah. for your client. So the ideal scenario is to to create very, very realistic expectations and then do so in a way that ideally you can actually beat those expectations. And now the client is not only excited or happy about the service that you provided them, but they're just blown away. And that is exactly. going to translate to, to those reviews that you were talking about. So these are these are really great reminders and, and really not just for newer photographers, but for our existing photographers as well. And, and I, I'm really glad that you shared these with us. I know that some of you are probably listening and uh, maybe analyzing the word that we're using here, failure, you know, something that's that's talked about uh, more and I guess more actively these days is the fact that it's not really failure. It's an opportunity to learn. And I would I would pretty much agree with that. And I think Tori is a wonderful example of that somebody who is self-aware 
and is examining herself as a photographer, as an artist, and looking for opportunities to improve. That's why she's able to communicate this information to you all today. So technically, it's not failing. Um, technically, these are opportunities to learn, to make ourselves better as artists, as photographers, as business owners. And I really can't thank you enough, Tori, for making time to share all this with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, this was so fun. I, I love talking about my my failures. (laughs) No, this was, it was great. It even makes me self-assess. I'm like, I need to go back and see what else I can try new, fail and get better at. So thank you. Well, no, it's been a privilege truly. And, and I'd like the fact that you have those journals to refer back to. I I've been in the last week or two or so I've, I've been thinking about how I really need to get back into journaling. I've done it at various times over my life, but I think it's a wonderful tool for developing that, that self-awareness that we were talking about. And um, so this has been inspiration for me too, and I, I appreciate that. Where can our listeners find you online? I know that we mentioned your website earlier, but if you can remind them what your website is and maybe where they can find you on Instagram as well, you've got a beautiful account. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so my website, Tori Fox Photography, Tori spelled T-O-R-R-E-Y. I know it's kind of a long one. Um, and then my social media, my Facebook and my Instagram are just Tori Fox. Uh, Perfect. Easy. So yeah, come check me out. Easy is good. I (laughs) I really can't thank you enough, Tori. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>